Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Welcome listeners to episode number 54 of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Thanks for tuning in. Today we spoke to Andy Nicholson, aka Over the Hill Dunker, lover of all things dunk related in the game of basketball and founder of the Dunk Camp. Andy talks about his passion for basketball and his obsession for dunking in particular. It's really fun hearing Andy talk about who he admires in the world of dunking and why. Listen to Andy talk about his prep routine, conditioning, and the mindset needed to perform at the highest level that he physically can. There was so much to take away from this episode, from key themes such as mindset, passion, and the importance of preparation and routine. We kept this episode for a few weeks as wanted it for March Madness. Listen to this as a break from all the noise around the coronavirus pandemic. There's some nice energy here for you devoted and new listeners. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Sleepy Perform Repeat. We're joined on the line all the way from the United States by Andy Nicholson. And I'll pass you over to David to introduce you to Andy. So I reached out to Andy um, actually through social media because I'm a, I'm a basketball player, basketball fan, working the game. And I've been watching this guy who calls himself an over-the-hill dunker. Um, 5 foot 11, 170 pounds, 47 years young and is extremely passionate for the game of basketball, but really about jumping and dunking and learning how to be explosive in all sort of capacities. So really looking forward to hearing your story, Andy. So, so tell us all and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and where, and where you came from and why, why you're doing what you're doing today. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, David. Um, so yeah, as you, uh, you said, I'm... Um, um, just under six feet tall, 5'11", and uh, I'm about to turn 48 years young here in a couple weeks, actually, um, January 7th. Uh, it's my birthday. Happy pre-birthday. And, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. And uh, I uh, sounds like you. You know, I love basketball. I grew up playing uh, the sport, and um, from a pretty young age, uh, I, I loved jumping, and I, I remember... I think my very first uh, slam dunk contest that I saw was the, the one with, with Dominique Wilkins Oof. and Spud and Spud Webb. Yeah. Where Spud Webb uh, shocked the world and and, uh, and and beat his teammate uh, Dominique Wilkins um, in the NBA slam dunk contest. And I was about the same height at that time. I was 13 years old and I was about five seven. And um, so I thought, man, Spud Webb can dunk. Maybe that means uh, I would be able to someday. And that really inspired me. Uh, but my favorite player then and, and still remains today is, is Michael Jordan. And uh, I just idolized the guy. And and so uh, and then watching him in, in the slam dunk contest as well, just uh, it just made me want to fly. And so I, I tried everything uh, I could to learn. And, uh, you know, in those days, uh, you're talking in the, in the 80s, uh, there's no there's no internet uh, of course uh, so I couldn't do a Google search on 
how to jump higher. So I, I just, um, you know, I tried to, you know, see see guys at my my school that jumped high, and you know, try and see what they did. And I remember um, finding an ad for a vertical jump training program in the back of some magazine. I don't remember what it was, but um, I asked my mom to see if we could get it, and so she mailed off a check and. Uh, you know, I don't know how much longer uh, this package showed up in the mail, and that was my first vertical jump program. And I, I, was, I must have been 13 or 14 years old at this time, and that's when I started training. You know, here it is, uh, over 30 years later, and I'm still, I'm still training, I'm still trying to jump higher. So and, and been doing love, it for a long time. And I love it because I can see a lot of echoes there. I mean, I'm. I'm 33, right? And, you know, I would have done air alert and I got jump soles out of slam mag. I used to wear ankle weights thinking I was Earl the Goat Manigoat. White men can't <laughs> jump. I kind of found that interesting. I love James White, you know, James Flight White. I kind of loved all yes, all of that. And uh, yeah, I remember, you know, that D- Dominique Spud, Atlanta, you know, Atlanta Hawks and all that. I suppose Vince Carter, that dunk contest for me. And I think of Gerald Green, what he did with the cupcake. And I suppose... That's what makes basketball kind of cool, isn't it? You know, the, the fascination of the, with the dunk. That's what makes it kind of unique and kind of special, really, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you see somebody do something like that. And at least for me, it just it just inspires me and motivates me. And, yeah, just, just something so amazing and uh, fun about trying to fly through the air. Uh, just, yeah, I still obsess about it uh, every day. So, so tell us kind of what has happened through the years. You know, you're you're not far off fifty, right? And um, what were you like back? You know, what were you like when you were twenty, as opposed to now? Maybe in terms of your your, um, I suppose, hunger to be able to jump higher, but also understanding what you needed to do in order to help you do that. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I had big dreams of playing uh, college basketball, and uh, that's a long story that I won't bore you with today um the the short version of it is it didn't it didn't work out it did not end up playing college basketball uh although I, I really wanted to and so um when that when that didn't happen um you know I kind of I still play basketball and um you know I, I've never really stopped playing basketball but there's been times of course where I wasn't really training uh, like I am now um so I, I would say you know in my early 20s um you know, I was still playing a lot of basketball, and um, but I wasn't I wasn't training on my vertical jump, and I didn't. You know, I I would say the biggest change between now and twenty eight, twenty seven years ago, whatever. I do I understand uh, so much more about the body and uh, how to train, and, and particularly my own. You know what what my body responds to because everyone's a little bit different. And so, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you know Napoleon Dynamite, but yeah, yeah. I often feel like, like Uncle Rico, you know, <laughs> where I, I need to find a time machine and go back in time and things would, things would have been different. Because yeah. uh, if, I, if I knew then what I knew now about training, it certainly would have made a, a big difference. And, um, but yeah, I, because, because of what I've learned and, and also just because I, I think I've probably st- stuck with training, a longer, more consistent period of time, you know, I, I dunked, I've dunked way more, uh, I mean, uh, hundreds and hundreds of times since I turned 40 
and before you know, before I turned forty, I probably had uh, legitimately dunked a basketball on a ten foot rim, maybe I don't know, six to ten times, probably. Wow. And uh, and uh, you know, I've done it probably hundreds of times since I've turned forty. So I, I've I've become in some ways a better athlete in my forties than I was when I was younger, mostly uh, just because I've I've learned how to train. Just in terms of insights into that, Andy, what are maybe the fundamentals do you think of the correct training for dunking it? Are you looking at brute strength? Are you looking at power? Are you looking at your recovery in between? Are you looking at repetitions? So just doing it again and again for just someone who's out there training a young guy now. So he's, he's dunking like you are at 47. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's all of those things. And the magic is the, how much of each of those things. And, um, but yeah, it obviously, you know, of course, jumping <clears throat> requires uh, you to be very strong in comparison to your body. And so you need to be, have great relative strength. Uh, you don't necessarily need to be a, you know, big massive guy, uh, bodybuilder uh, type, but in terms of your own um, body weight, you need to have great relative strength. And for some, <clears throat> the easiest way to develop that is through lifting weights. Um, some people um, can actually uh, obtain that without it. You know, you can do, you know, body weight kinds of things, calisthenics and, uh, sprinting and jumping and that can be enough of a stimulus but that's that's probably the minority of, of people i'd say it's more likely that most of us uh, normal what i would say normal people will get the most benefit or fastest benefit of getting strength through some type of uh, uh weightlifting and uh, you know the exercises you guys probably uh, do or are very familiar with uh you know work work pretty well um, the squats and deadlifts and so on, but um, some of the magic is in, in the programming and knowing how to lift and and you know reps and and things like that. But uh, you, you figure that out over over time. Um, but if you're a beginner just starting out, um, doing almost anything, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you'll see progress. It, it gets much more difficult once you you start getting past those beginner gains, and now you're. Uh, starting to hit some of those plateaus and trying to break through those, that's where it starts getting a lot, a lot more complicated. So you'll see guys who, when they first start training in their life or if they've taken a lot of time off and they've kind of lost some of their strength, uh, those beginner games come really, really fast. But after, after you know, maybe six months or something, maybe less, it gets harder and harder. You don't, you know, keep increasing your weight. Every time you go to the gym, it gets, it's harder to do that. Brilliant. And while it's quite individualized, I can imagine when you're working with someone, is there sort of a protocol or a, a general program, overarching program that you look at? Like, would you firstly get someone in and get them familiarized with weightlifting? Would that be the first part of what you're doing and trying to train someone up? Or would it be just getting them out? Because it can be difficult when you're trying to bring in a young guy who just wants to be out on the court and, and you know, trying to change that up, trying to change your train, training. Yeah, for sure. Uh, some of the exercises are, are difficult, weightlifting exercises. A squat is actually, in my opinion, very uh, uh, it's hard for a lot of athletes, I think, especially basketball players yeah. who tend to be tall okay, and lanky. Yeah. And, and just the, the flexibility to do a squat properly is, is not an easy thing to do. So, yeah, if, if they don't have um, – I, I, don't, I don't think it's smart to just, you know, throw a bar on somebody's back and, and – uh, expect them to, to know how to squat. So it would be a progression. It would depend. So if it was someone who was like brand, brand new, who would never done any weightlifting or that's a very young athlete, uh, first of all, I would never put a bar on their back. Um, 
And I would do something more like a, a goblet squat or maybe a front squat or even just uh, body weight. I also really like the pistol squat uh, down to a box or something like that. So if it's a young athlete or someone who hasn't lifted much, then, you know, an exercise like a squat is probably something, you know, you say for when I'm going to say a traditional, like a traditional squat, probably safe for later. I, I personally actually don't ever back squat anymore. Oh, really? um, personally, I personally, um, just because of, uh, I've tried, uh, to improve my, improve my flexibility, uh, as much as I can. I've made a ton of progress there, but I, I, for me personally, I find the, the risk reward on a back squat is just too high. Uh, I was having too many back issues. Um, and I just find that, you know, front squat, it's just safer and forces you to stay. And I think keeping your uh, torso upright, engaging the core and not loading that spine, is just safer. And I don't see enough of an advantage to, to the back squat. And that's just my own personal opinion. Um, there are some athletes, obviously, that can back squat safely. Uh, they have the proper uh, ankle mobility and dorsiflexion as well as hip mobility. And uh, they, they've learned how to do it right. But for me personally, it's just not... It's not worth the the risk that I've I mean, I've had so many you know, my back is just killing me and just because of my uh, just the way I'm built as well as my uh, my, my limited range of motion so yeah that's absolutely a, it has to be individualized in terms of that Andy tell us a little bit about say if if we flew over to Ireland and you were working with my team and you had a, a couple of minutes prior to us playing a big cup game and we said. Okay, we have a specialist who's coming in here, a physical specialist, and we want him to work on our, our kind of physical prep activation routine before we go out, we do our layups, we do our jump shots, and we get set to play. Kind of, kind of how, do, how would that look for someone like you who obviously has a coaching experience, has played at a high level, understands the body physiologically, physically well, knows what works for you? Kind of show us a little bit maybe as to what that kind of template might look like for a group of, you know, mid to late 20, early 30 year olds, kind of in terms of prep sort of stuff. I like the, the dynamic warm up that I think a lot of people do doing things uh, to get the nervous system activated with, with bands. I like to do getting the, getting the hips really activated. So uh, putting the uh, bands on around the ankles and uh, I don't even know what the monster walls, the name. The glute band exercise. Yeah. 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 Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, the, the monster walks, glute band exercises. I like to do some of the, uh, you know, karaoke, uh, high knees, butt kickers. Yeah. Uh, just just get the body moving and um, get the nervous system warmed up. I, I really like doing uh, line hops. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that, that really activates the nervous system. Uh, jumping rope is another one that I, I like to do getting warmed up so I, I don't know if there's anything um super unique there i do uh well something that i do that i maybe not a lot of people do is just uh i like to warm up the feet as well so i, I often start with my shoes off and uh i'll actually do what they call i call them uh dorsi wipes yeah, i learned these from uh, you're trying to get the little muscles and stabilizer your feet firing up i suppose yeah i learned these from joel smith uh, who I've trained with uh, before, and, and um, so you uh, you basically get your feet into a dorsiflex position, and you uh, you know go from left to right, and then right to left, kind of like windshield wipers, yeah. uh, toe curls, where you actually uh, put your feet in a dorsiflex position and then curl the toes up, and then crunch them down, so like like curls. So I do uh, do some stuff with the feet, 
to um, kind of turn on and activate some of those uh, those muscles and uh, so that's maybe something that's a little bit different but than from most but I think some, a lot of the other stuff is probably stuff you guys would, would probably do some a lot of the dynamic kinds of things yeah, you probably wouldn't do as much on the, on the feet that's interesting I, I suppose I'm trying to tap into your secret sauce Andy because I'm looking at you and I'm kind of going wow that guy can throw it off the board and throw it down like a tomahawk I want to be able to do that when in five years down the line, you know, so, and I, I've got a couple of inches on you and I still can't do it like that. So <laughs> let's, let's go a little bit to your kind of, your coaching, you know, you, I read a little bit that you're, you know, you've got a thing called the dunk camp and you've got something going on in Utah in about um, five, six months time in June. So tell us a little bit about kind of the origins and the genesis and, and the why behind that and kind of what that's all about. Cause that looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. The dunk camp, uh, we're coming up on our third year, um, which will be in June. And so the where that came from was uh, a few years ago, me and a couple of friends, uh, we started uh, going to these, uh, what we call these mega dunk sessions down in Florida. And uh, so a couple of years ago, uh, we got invited down and uh, some of the best dunkers in the world were there, including uh, who I think is the best dunker uh, probably really of all time, Jordan Kilgannon. And also... Uh, you know, my, my favorite dunker. And so I got to spend, um, five straight days, uh, with him. Um, and all we did was, uh, dunk and eat and talk about dunking for five straight days. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it, it, it was so much fun. And uh, I was sitting there and I can remember clearly just sitting there and we're, we're around, uh, it was late at night and we're chilling at the pool, sitting in the hot tub. And I was just asking Jordan every question I could think of, you know, how do you warm up and, and what's your training like? And, you know, every question I could possibly think of, I was asking him and he's such a nice guy and humble. And so he was just, you know, answering all my questions. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm doing this. And I, I was like, I can't, I can't be the only one who would love this kind of, uh, of an opportunity. And having gone to uh, basketball camps uh, growing up and, loving that experience and just the, everything about it, just going and hanging out with your buddies and, and then playing and hanging out and all that kind of stuff. And I thought there should be a dunk camp and it, you know, that didn't exist at that time. And that's where the idea came from. So was uh, traveling down to Florida and getting to hang out with, with Jordan Kilgannon and Isaiah Rivera and CJ champion and Jordan Sutherland and Steven Selly, uh, Nico. Um, there were like a lot of, uh, super uh, elite dunkers there and um, I was there and, and just had so much fun so that's that's where the idea came from and um, so I started working on it and uh, talking to a couple of buddies of mine here um, about the idea and um, uh, well here we are coming up on our third year so we put it together and uh, it's been a lot of fun we've had people come from literally all over the world. Um, the first year we did it in 2018, we had, um, guys, athletes come from seven countries. Uh, last year, uh, I think, or well, technically this year, earlier this year, uh, 2019 in June, I think it was 13 different countries. Uh, and, uh, back to, uh, one from Ireland. I don't know if you guys know, uh, Cammy Dunks. I don't actually know. Interesting. He's a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal athlete. You should look him up. Uh, Cammy dunks. He did one of the craziest dunks at the camp uh, this past year. He's only five five, 
And uh, this was on a low rim, but uh, he he jumped over. He basically did a free throw line dunk over a table on a low rim in our low rim contest, and the, everyone just went <laughs> went crazy. If you haven't seen it, I'll have to send it to you. It's I was going. I was so nervous watching him do it because the guy's making worst case scenario. So many things could go wrong. He's <laughs> jumping over this table, but uh, he he killed it, and everyone went crazy. But yeah, we've had people come from all over the world, and then. Uh, 2019, we're almost sold out already in six months to go. And, uh, yeah, I think people coming from 13 or 14 countries. And Cam Cammy's coming back as well. So excited for, for mm-hmm. to see him again. He's he's a great athlete there from uh, your, your, your home there in Ireland. <laughs> so do you throw it down at this camp as well? Yeah, I, I try to get in. Um, you know, a session during, during the week I'm, I'm running the camp. And so it's a little bit hectic trying to uh, coordinate and everything, but yeah, I can't, I can't just stand around all the time and just watch everybody. I got to get in there and, and participate a little bit. So I want, I want to ask you a favor. I have a, I work with a fellow, a French player called Isaiah Cordinier and he's, um, he's got hops, right? He's got athletic ability and he's just, um, he made the French, um, French League dunk contest, and it's on in a couple of weeks' time, just after Christmas. But he's competing against a fellow called DJ Stevens. If you've ever heard of him, he's um, he's an oh yeah, oh yeah, he's an amazing oh, yeah. dunker, right? American, and he was won it three yes. years in a row. And uh, and my boy Isaiah asked me there over the week, and he said, "I mean, David, I can jump, I can dunk, but how on earth am I going to compete with this?" So I suppose my question is. What's it like if you're in a dunk contest? I'm always curious, and you and you know that going in, you're up against a guy, you know who who has a track record, and you know he's got something, and he can he can get the perfect scores. What's that mindset like for you? You know, speaking from experience, maybe you can kind of share a little bit of a story there. How, how do you come up knowing that you always have to have something probably better in your locker, and maybe challenge yourself outside your comfort zone even more? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question. Uh, I personally have only competed in one dunk contest, so um, I can I can tell you my insight. It would be uh, you would probably get better help from someone like uh, Jordan Kilgannon or, or Isaiah Rivera or Jay Clark or one of our our pros that would be at the camp. But in terms of, of my mindset, I would think of you know first you gotta you know have a strategy. You need to know what dunks you're gonna do in advance. I wouldn't just uh, show up and, and wing it. Of course, I would. I would know um, which dunks you're going to do and, and probably have um, be, be ready for plan B because the dunk contest that I did, as an example, uh, I did when I was uh, 44. Um, so that was coming up on uh, four, four years ago, uh, which was a dream of mine. I'd always wanted to be in a dunk contest, and I finally uh, I was able to do that. But um, I, had, I had figured out which dunks I was going to do and the way the contest was arranged, there was only four of us in the contest, and you got to uh, dunk once in the first round, and then they would take three of you would advance. So they, one person would be eliminated after uh, basically after one dunk. Ooh, and so, um, yeah, and so I realized pretty quickly um, the first round um, I, I made I made my first dunk. And then uh, I, I got to go first, um, and then I got to see what every uh, every other dunk everyone else did. And I knew immediately I had to 
go to my final dunk <laughs> or there was no chance that I was going to stay in the contest. I was going to be eliminated. So that's why I say you got to also be flexible. Um, it's also super important to, you got to make your dunk too. So if you, if you go with the dunk, they only make one out of 10 times. Uh, that's, you know, going to be, yeah. going to be tough. And we've seen but that so, in the NBA dunk contest, haven't we, when someone keeps on sticking with something and he, it keeps on rattling off the rim or he's missing. It's like, just change it up. But sometimes they stick with it and it's five misses and you're kind of feeling for the guy, right? But it's a tough call. Oh, yeah, big time. And just the energy leaves the gym and, yeah. and uh, you're just you're not, you're not going to get a good score. So you have to have that balance between doing something that's obviously you know, very difficult, but something you can also make. Um, but going against a guy like DJ Stevens, I mean, that guy... Is definitely one of the. I don't know if he still is, but at one time he would have been one of the highest jumpers on the planet. I mean, that guy can can really fly. So, but you got to come with that energy. You got to come with that creativity. Sometimes you know people do uh, a dunk that is actually not that hard, but uh, they come with a lot of enthusiasm. They uh, they really sell it. So you got to be a showman too. You can't uh, you can't uh, just go out there and dunk it and have no reaction. Like you got to be hyped and, and go crazy and, and get the crowd into it. That will also influence your score. So you got to be creative. Um, the dunk that I tried, which was going to be kind of my final dunk is actually not that hard of a dunk, but it had some, uh, creativity to it or some just made people go, Ooh, this looks cool. And, and I stole it from, um, Aaron Gordon, yeah. Uh, from a couple years a couple years ago, he had uh, the mascot on um, what do they call those things? So you stand on the kind of like a hoverboard kind of thing that. Oh yeah, I remember that. Stand, yeah. yeah, so he has the mascot on the hoverboard and it's spinning around. And uh, so I stole that idea and I didn't do what he did. You know, I didn't jump over the mascot. I just had I actually had my daughter uh, hold the ball. Uh, like a kind of a double up kind of idea, just hold the ball out, and then she had her spinning around, and so it, it looks like uh, maybe a, a much more difficult dunk than it actually actually was, but it was you know different. You know, I had someone come and help me. I had the kind of emotional effect because hey, it's my daughter, and you know, anyway. So there's there's ways to kind of I want to call it cheating, but it, there's a ways to help <laughs> you get a, so. a better score yeah. by. Uh, being a little more creative and but that dunk actually isn't isn't that hard uh, although i did miss it <laughs> so. so tell us who's in the nba at the moment who do you think is the most impressive athlete or the most impressive dunker there's some really really good guys right now uh of course um i mean he's hurt but zion uh williamson is uh just uh, unbelievable. Um, I've watched him for the last few years. Uh, I started watching him probably like a lot of guys just when he was in high school. Saw all the crazy highlights of, of him in high school and just, uh, man, he is fun to watch. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a bomb and he's hurt and hopefully he's uh, on his way back soon. Uh, I really like that uh, Doc Morant. Yeah. He had a, he had an incredible dunk uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, forget who it was uh was on but uh did a little rip through and, and posterized uh, his defender um such such a nice dunk so um he's nice um of course um Derek Jones yeah, yeah. is uh is, is is incredible 
Um, I still, although he didn't really perform in the dunk contest the last two years, Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, he's a um, good player as well. Yeah. Can can just fly, can just flat out fly. Of course, I got to um, talk about Donovan Mitchell because um, oh, yeah, here's a, in, in Utah uh, for the Jazz. Uh, he's got he's got a nice uh, dunk package there and won won the contest a couple years ago. There's a few. Are, are the Jazz your favorite team? You know, I I don't have a favorite team. I, it, my heart kind of died a little bit when <laughs> when Michael Jordan left the Bulls, and so I, I've still never really the Bulls were my team, and and so now I'm just I'm more a fan of the game, and, and there's a lot of teams I like to watch. You know, the Clippers and the Lakers now, and then the Bucks, Celtics. Yeah, also like the Grizzlies. I really like John Moran just as a player. He kind of has the the abilities that I really expect, respect and admire because he's, he's kind of got the whole package. He, he can do everything. He's unselfish. He can make, he make great passes. He's athletic. He can shoot. He's got handles. So he's got the whole, uh, kind of the game that I, that I really like. And, uh, so I, I do like, but I, I don't have a favorite team anymore. So How about you guys? Do you, do you guys watch the NBA and, and yeah, yeah. is the NBA big yeah. in, in Ireland? Yeah. I'm a San Antonio Spurs man. I'll have to put it out there. I've always been a big Spurs. Okay. Fan. Yeah, I'm Miami Heat. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. started with Shaq and Dwayne Wade and stuck with it. Got lucky with the big tree then for a while. Yeah, no doubt. That was a good time. They're man. doing. They're doing really good this year. Yeah. Surprising everybody. Yeah, Jimmy Butler has them pulled together, and the young guys, Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo as well, playing great. Playing yeah, I thought well. Jimmy Butler was the. I thought he was such an idiot for leaving the Sixers, and then uh, here's the Heat doing even doing better than the Sixers. I'm, I'm I was surprised, but I'd, happy I'd for faith. him. I'd faith in it. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you said though about Jordan being the idol because he he would be the guy too. Like it's Jordan's always number one, no matter no matter what any of the other guys do. He he set the platform for it all. You know, really change the game for sure. For sure, I. LeBron is, is amazing and great, and uh, people debate about it all the time. But uh, to me, uh, there's just no no competition. He's just the, Jordan is just so he's the goat, and it's not close from my perspective. Now, Andy, we'd like to we're nearly wrapping up here. I suppose you you've got such an interesting story, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the next couple of years with you, and just keep loving loving your content. And what you're doing, your camp is a great thing. What what exactly does high performance mean to you? Because you're somebody that is out there really trying to perform at the highest level physically and mentally and personally that you can all the time on and off the court. So what does high performance mean to you? I would say, you know, I, I think it's it's different for every person, but I think it's it's finding out and part of what's driven me is, you know, constantly asking myself you know how good could I be what what's my genetic limit what's my potential and and just wondering you know how far can I really push myself and have I ever pushed myself as the, the hardest that I possibly could and you know I'm trying to think you know if I really was a professional athlete you know I could train like a professional athlete if I was gonna try and be in the Olympics you know how how good could I get and so I think it's it's um, pushing yourself to find what that is, trying to get to the best you can possibly be, and not comparing yourself to others, and 
to me, it doesn't really matter. I mean, there's going to be some people that, you know, are going to be more athletic than you or jump higher than you, but what's the best you could, you could be, what the best you could do. And that's what uh, I, I'm seeking and just trying, you know, have I hit my genetic limit yet? I don't think I have. So still, still chasing it. Keep rolling with it. Andy Nicholson, yeah. over the hill dunker. Look, we're going to be telling everyone about your dunk camp. You know, we hope that keeps growing for you and growing in popularity and and fun and all those sort of things. And wishing you all the best. Stay fit, stay healthy, and keep pushing the, the physical boundaries because that's what you're doing each and every day. And we commend you and acknowledge for it. And it's a great thing you're doing. And thanks a lot for coming on today and kind of sharing your story. It's been really fun, really interesting. We've all really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me on.